0: Welcome to Daydream. My name is Paige, and today I'm joined by the delightful Mandy. Mandy is a content creator, an amazing chef, cook, whatever you want to call it. Um, She's also an amazing photographer, as well, and she's a dietitian. She's not your usual dietitian, though, which you'll find out through this episode. I really, really loved this chat with Mandy and we definitely have a lot of things in common and that we're both super passionate about. So I hope that that comes through in the episode. If you do love this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could take a screenshot and share it to your social media and tag myself at page L. Redford and Mandy, who is at madeby.mandy on Instagram. Thank you so much. Here's Mandy.
1: Hey everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Today I'm joined by Mandy. Do you want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself about yourself,
2: Mandy? Sure. so first of all, thank you for having me. Um, I've also listened to a few of your podcast episodes, so I'm excited to be a guest myself, but okay. <laughs> um, for a bit of background, um, I graduated a uh, Bachelor of Nutrition and Dietetics at the end of last year. So I'm now working as an accredited practicing dietitian across a few clinics here in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so between private practice, I also do um, my own kind of food photography and recipe development on the side. Um, and that's kind of run through Made by Mandy um, on Instagram and my website. So, yeah, the main kind of background is i guess in dietetics and food photography recipe development so kind of merging those two together
1: yeah yeah and that's how i found you like through instagram through you made by mandy and oh my goodness like if you guys aren't <laughs> following mandy already you need to jump on that because- <laughs> You're like, I'm not really a good cook or chef, but I try. And your recipes just like are so beautiful and so inspiring. And I'm like, I'm gonna make that, like your banana bread. Oh my gosh, that's on my list this week to make. Because oh,
2: good. thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess like I definitely, yeah, like I said, I found you through that and through Instagram, and then we connected because we do share quite a lot of like, well, not a lot of, but like similar kind of content in terms of you know, um empowering women about their body image and, and, and moving away from dieting and into like yeah. focusing on their in, into intuition and that kind of stuff. So can you tell us a little bit about like how you came to, I guess, have those values and beliefs? Mm-hmm.
2: Definitely. So I think from, or probably at the start of when I first started studying nutrition and dietetics, I was always interested in like health and nutrition and kind of like the foodie aspect as well yeah. and then kind of the more I progress throughout uni um, I guess it's not uncommon for a lot of students studying nutrition and dietetics to have more of that kind of higher or kind of obsessive interest in nutrition which I think yeah. um, can be quite dangerous because it it almost is kind of like playing towards that kind of orthorexic Those orthorexic tendencies that um, like studies already show that a lot of students that do like pursue careers or studies in nutrition and dietetics um, are already kind of following through those kind of obsessive tendencies when it comes to food. So when I was in uni, I was kind of thinking like, oh, it's interesting that, you know, as health professionals, we're kind of taught to somewhat have an obsessive relationship with food just based on what we're taught and like Mm -hmm. just having to remember like calories kilojoules and things like that of certain foods and and whatnot and particularly I guess during the later years of uni um, when we started doing more like the clinical hands-on topics I noticed that it was a very kind of weight-centric focus around um, healthcare and and like disease management and things like that and it and I was always it always kind of felt a bit odd in the back of my head knowing that like the first thing that we would do when we would see a client is to ask you know about their weight their weight history their BMI and a lot of it kind of relied on that you know weight centric point of view when it came to diagnosing or assessing clients and things like that as opposed to um, looking at, you know, other outcomes of, of health and, and other health-promoting behaviours. So that's kind of where my interest in um, health the health at every size approach and more so like the non-diet approach to dietetics came about, particularly during my last year of uni. And then I started just to do more research on it, do more professional development and learn that there's like a whole nother side um, to pursuing, you know, health, um, which is, you know, more focusing on that weight inclusive and weight neutral approach, and then I guess, you know, as soon as I kind of like unlocked the door to that, I was just, you know, gobsmacked with, you know, every all the other information, all the other studies and research that shows that, you know, BMI is not the best indicator of health. All of these other things, you know, um, you can still pursue health without focusing on the number of, on the scale. So that was kind of a big learning curve. For more of that nutrition and dietetic side yeah. and then I guess um with that came you know um, learning more about diet culture how it's so like subtly ingrained in everything like surprisingly like it could just be in every little aspect of daily life and and in every single conversation you could have with someone like diet culture will just rear its head and you kind of don't really realize until you take a step back and, and you've kind of understood what what diet culture is and how it presents itself so that's been really interesting and now kind of using my Instagram to talk about what diet culture is how to push back on it how to make people more aware about it um particularly like the negative impacts that you can have on disordered eating and and how it's just so normalized so yeah it, it was a big learning curve so
1: yeah a hundred percent And I feel like that's so true. Like, I know even when I was going through uni, um, which was, like, years ago now, but um, obviously I came from an eating disorder, like, yeah, eating disorder background and then going into uni. And it was was a few years in between, but I definitely noticed within myself those tendencies, again, to slip back into, like, yeah, orthorexia and focusing on clean in, like, like, because it's almost like they... I don't know what your uni was like, but I feel like where I went to uni or like college, it it, it's almost like they focus on like fear. As like, if you eat this, you're going to end up with this. Or if you eat too much sugar, you'll end up with these diseases, and so it's almost like that. And you're away feeling like, okay, so I've got to tell my clients to eat this way and not that way.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like they just like foster this sense of fear with certain foods that. It's probably not their intention, but that's just the way that I think people have taught it for so long. And it and particularly like the whole overarching thing is just mass fat phobia. Yeah. Um, like it's just ingrained into every single part of of the course. And I think um they are like doing things to, you know. Try and look at that, and and you know, with integrating more like health, every size um, subjects in the course and things like that. But it definitely was a massive like learning curve when I was like, right, what kind of dietitian do I want to be in practice? And thinking like, it just doesn't like I can't sit there and tell people that they need to eat X amount of calories per day based on you know what they've told me, um, which is you know kind of what we had learned at uni and kind of thinking like we would just take strict diet histories add up all their kilojoules throughout the day and think okay should be averaging less you know x amount of kilojoules and it just didn't sit right so now kind of coming at a a non-diet health every size approach it just seems like oh like this like this is kind of you know the golden ticket like this all makes sense because i just it just felt so uncomfortable you know think about thinking about the thought of um prescribing meal plans or something so prescriptive to clients it just just didn't sit right so yeah yeah
1: that's amazing though that you trusted that like feeling and intuition within yourself to be like this isn't what I want to do in this space because like I definitely have found that as well and it's it is, it is tricky, I guess, because you are pushing back against something that you, you know, you went, you've you gone to, you need to study this particular degree and you're sort of like, oh, well, I don't really agree with a lot of yeah. that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's incredible. Um, and I love like hearing that because it just, like, I think we need more practitioners like you out there because like you said, like wait weight isn't a a behavior and weight has so little to do with our overall health but like you said it's it's so ingrained in us and it's so like it's just everywhere and I guess now with social media it's a lot harder like I know when I was growing up we had magazines and things like that and even then there was so much diet culture and diet talk in there Um, and it's just everywhere
2: yeah I know particularly on social media nowadays I always think like like I grew up having like Instagram and things like that, but it was nowhere near what it what it is like today. And thinking of like the average age that, you know, young girls and boys get on Instagram and the content that they're seeing is just kind of scary to think, you know, what their mindset around food and and exercise and body image will be at such a young age. It just feels like you kind of, I don't know. Like I was thinking like, oh, I would never want my kids to have any Instagram or anything like that, just knowing what I see on it now. But it's just so hard to set those boundaries, particularly as a young child. Like I know that a lot of people just kind of fall into this slippery slope of oh, I just kind of want to get a bit healthy and then oh, I'll just follow a few fitness influences. and then they feel fine, they feel fine and then over time they notice that they just dread checking their Instagram feed or whenever they do, they feel guilty because they haven't done, you know, the hit workout that someone else on their feed has done or something like that and it just kind of slowly like bites away at you and then that whole comparison trap just follows on from there.
1: Yeah, it 100% does. And like, I know even for me, like I definitely have to, like checking with myself often and and too like you do want to make sure i think this is like true for everyone like make sure whoever you're following doesn't make you feel like any of the things mandy just said like you, yeah. know, you want to make sure that you're feeling inspired and not feeling bad about yourself because yeah i think you definitely have to check in sometimes because it just it just is everywhere and without even um sometimes it's not even like a conscious thought or a conscious yeah. it's like a subconscious thing or it's you know something that you like you might not feel as affecting you right then and there, but it kind of can catch up with you.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think that's like what happens more often than not is that it's just kind of like, oh, everyone follows this model or everyone follows this influencer, and it's normal for me to look at why eat in a day posts and things like that. But then it's not until you like take the time and you know clear out who you are following and and kind of curate more of a you know wholesome whatever following that that isn't triggering to you then you realize oh wow that really was getting me down whenever I did see their content and things like that so it's like setting those boundaries to protect yourself
1: totally and I think just realizing that like I think on social media and and Instagram especially sometimes we can think that and it depends what kind of like field you're in or what you what your hobbies are but there are more things on Instagram than just food and fitness. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Like I think we yeah. can sometimes fall into that trap of thinking that's all there is, but there's actually like so much. Like I follow different accounts that have like like interiors and like I love tiny homes and like yes, like exactly. That. And things <laughs> that like, um, you know, I not necessarily have anything to do with my life, but I really just enjoy and they, they inspire me and they make me yep. kind of happy to look at.
2: It's just like a break from reality and it doesn't have to be, yeah, all consumed by, yeah, food and, and fitness and things like that. So, yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. And have you ever had any, um, like, struggles yourself with with food at all? Like any kind of,
2: yeah. I, yeah, I think particularly like those kind of orthorexic tendencies for me, particularly during uni and things like that, um, and I think just kind of, um, particularly I think a lot of people have also found who are like in the space in like a food and nutrition space mm-hmm. find that, you know, because you know, they are supposedly having to tell people what to eat and, you know, they should be an image of health themselves. So I think, you know, I've spoken to a lot of other like friends from uni and they kind of felt the same way that, you know, as a dietitian, well, we should be, you know, the picture of health and things like that. But in actual fact, like, that's not the kind of dietitian we want to be. We want to be someone who, you know, tells people that all foods are good, all foods fit, you have permission to eat whatever. And that's kind of where I come back to what kind of dietitian do I want to be? Like in, like, I don't want to be the food police at all. Like I want to be someone that, you know, a client can come to without getting scared that, you know, they're going to have to be weighed or they're going to have to um, tell, tell me, you know, things that they've done that they've, felt guilty about, or, you know, think that they're going to get told off for not eating X, Y, and Z. It, it's more like the opposite. And I think, you know, recently with some clients that I've had I don't even we don't even talk about like the actual food on their plate. It's more just like recapping like and going over their mindset around food and things like that and and trying to help with that as opposed to the actual food that they're eating because because oftentimes it it's not got anything to do with what they're eating. it's it's the feelings and the fear around like how they go about that and particularly with movement as well. Um, so yeah, and I guess my experience with that has kind of, I think, shown me that I don't want to be someone to preach about diets and restriction and deprivation it's it's much more the opposite so yeah it's definitely helped
1: yeah I love that so much and I think you're so right I think there is almost this like unspoken pressure that as health, like as health professionals in the nutrition space, that we need to be like this role model and like setting the standard of like yep. all this stuff. And I'm just like, no, like I'm I'm a human being. Like I eat, like, I eat all foods. I and I am like getting more comfortable at showing that because yeah. like at first, I was like, "Oh no, I can't do that because whatever." But I'm like, yeah. "I don't even care." Like, I, exactly. ate, I ate four pieces of bread today. Here you go. Like yeah.
2: <laughs> and you I think nothing wrong with that. Exactly, and I think a lot of people a lot of people are actually kind of like, "Oh, like I'm drawn to that." That's actually normal because, like, they see you know they might see someone on Instagram eating like small like you know, under eating a lot and mm-hmm. under the guise of health and, you know, that obviously won't make themselves feel good about it. So seeing an actual like nutritionist or a naturopath or a dietitian or whatever, eating like a decent good amount of food and not feeling bad about it, then, you know, audience or clients will be like, that's the kind of relationship that I want with food. Mm-hmm. And it's even like, you know, if I bought in, or if I'm like in the staff room or something and people are like eating, and we're having cakes or things like that, everyone would always be like, oh, not in front of the dietitian. But I'm like, no, like I, like if you didn't eat this and if you said like a comment, like, oh, I'm being like, quote unquote good, I'd be like, okay, that's a red flag. Like it's almost like the opposite. Like I, you know, I want everyone to be able to enjoy these foods without guilt and just to enjoy them off the cuff without even thinking about it. Um, So, yeah, it's funny how that kind of old school dietitian point of view comes across like in other people's minds but it's it's not true nowadays so not yeah. the police
1: <laughs> For sure yeah and i think that's real life like you know we oh yeah it's just it's just like we go out and we enjoy food and we get yeah. different food and it's never always going to look the same or be you know this perfect in air quotes again like meal and that's just like Human beings, not robots, like yeah, we don't have to follow this set kind of structure. Exactly, um, and I also love how you mentioned about um, when you talk with clients about focusing on more of their mindset. And I one hundred percent do that with so many of my clients. Like mm-hmm. often, like the first time I, I see them, like for the initial consult or whatever, I don't even we don't even talk about food. it's, yeah. like, it's like where are they at? Like where's their mind at? You know, what are they? where are their beliefs and values around food and where have they come from? I think it's, yeah, it's so important to talk about that stuff because that's what's really at the root of everything. Hey,
2: definitely. Yeah. It, it like, that's why I think I bring it back to, you know, what your intention is that that's what matters. So, you know, you could be ordering um, you could be ordering a salad for lunch instead of a plate of pasta, you know, on paper that that's fine, but it's, 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 based on your intention. So if your intention for ordering the salad was because you're scared of, you know, the alternative meal being like a bowl of pasta or something, then then there's a problem. But if you're just ordering a salad just because you're craving a salad and it doesn't, you know, it's not as a means of compensation or restriction for later on in the day, then it's fine. So I think it it often comes back to what your intention is around the behavior around the choice, even with things like exercise. Like doing you know cardio class at the gym or hit classes or running or training for marathons like there's nothing wrong with any of those things it's you know about your intention so if you're if you're doing a hit class you know three four times a week because you're scared or because it's a way of you know controlling your body or things like that um or you're fearful if you didn't get you know those certain gym classes in then that's the problem but if it's just you know if you have no fear out of not doing them if someone said to you okay no hit classes for a month and you didn't feel anything then that's kind of where the intention shifts so it is really interesting to look at it from that point of view
1: yeah yeah and doing it for yourself rather than like any specific outcome or yes any any other person or to look a certain way like do it because it makes you feel good and it's like that's your self-care I think that's really important yeah Um, which you touched on so yeah, so and how how have you found like going with recipe development? Like I, I guess I don't know my my thoughts around recipe. I, I love recipes and de- recipe development and I'm not good at it. So I always like look at other people and I'm like, oh, you're so inspiring. Like I wish I could do that. And like even like taking photos of food. I'm so bad at taking photos of food. But um sometimes I do like wonder in the back of my mind with recipes and stuff like that, like. Yeah. And I don't know, this might sound weird, but do you ever think, oh, people are going to judge me for this because I've used sugar or people are going to think, oh, you know, I don't know. Does that make sense? Like, no, if- that does make sense. Yeah. You put out like, you yeah, I
2: think that? I think earlier on when I started posting recipes on Instagram and on my website, it was kind of and before I had, you know, when I was still in that kind of orthorexic mindset about, you know, unrefined this and you know vegan and whatever like more of those strict labels Mm -hmm. I like everything all the recipes that I posted all the ingredients would have to have like a coconut sugar and like they would all have to be unrefined like no white flour anything like this and then now after I've you know actually like you know thought about all of it taken a step back viewing nutrition and whatever from a whole nother lens i'm kind of like oh my god like the fact that i used to write like refined sugar free on everything like i didn't realize that that i was contributing to diet culture in that way so now it's much more like from a just you know i write the recipe the ingredients that go in it are the ingredients that you know should be used to make the recipe taste as good as possible. It's not kind Mm -hmm. of as much as like a substitution game and things like that. So it's focusing like on the recipe itself. So nowadays, like if something, you know, turns out better with one sugar over another, then that's a sugar I will go for. And if that's like a white sugar, then that's fine. Mm -hmm. And because I think so much of it, particularly with like the refined sugar-free like gluten-free movements and things like that, like, by just marketing everything as refined sugar free, this, 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 and using all of those products in recipes, like I think it can, just, it just automatically demonizes like all of the other, say, refined ingredients. Um, I think now that I'm, you know, doing a lot more recipes and things like that, and it's kind of coming more from that cooking and culinary point of view as opposed mm-hmm. to like how can I make this, you know, the most quote unquote healthy recipe because yeah. you know knowing now that that means something different for everyone and. And healthy just doesn't mean, you know, a certain label, um, whether it be like sugar free or or plant based and things like that. So it's a lot more well rounded now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I love that so much. And you're so right. Like we I think there's so much especially again on instagram of like healthifying things and like yes oh here's a chocolate chip cookie and here's how to make it better and you're like yes better for who and yeah. better why like yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with a chocolate chip cookie like i think exactly yeah i love that and that's again another reason why i love your recipes because yeah like and i think it's it's good to have a balance too because sometimes like you said like coconut sugar is going to taste better in something and maybe right. will taste better in something else and like normal white sugar is just normal sugar like everything,
2: it's all still sugar (laughs) yeah exactly that's the end of the day that's the end of the day and I think that's what a lot of I think a lot of people when they're kind of in that more obsessive um, mindset around food don't like hearing that will get their kind of back up at the words of it's all sugar it's all sugar because it's kind of like well no like I've just been taught to know that coconut sugar is better or anything like brown and unrefined or whole grain is always better but it's like it's actually not like it's just it's it as soon as it goes into your mouth as soon as it gets digested it's all the same thing like it, it doesn't matter and i think that's like the biggest thing to kind of try and learn to understand that is just is just you know talking back to that diet culture in your mind that has kind of slowly but but surely told you and kind of tormented you that you know white sugar or anything refined is bad and it's kind of talking back to that mindset in your head that has been there for you know months or years um and kind of reminding yourself that it's it's all the same thing and at the end of the day like it, it doesn't like it doesn't matter and it and you know the foods that you choose to eat don't have any you know effect on you know how how you should be perceived as a person or your morality or like, it's just so like diet culture just entwines everything into, you know, such a confusing mess, but it's yeah, really at the basic principles, it's just food. So yeah.
1: Exactly. And like I always say to my clients, I'm like one, one food doesn't make you healthy. Just the same as one food doesn't make you unhealthy, like whatever healthy or unhealthy is to you. Like one food doesn't make you better. Just yep. because you ate all green smoothies yep. that
2: day. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Good for you. You don't yeah. get the <laughs> <laughs> I know. It doesn't really mean anything. <laughs>
1: no, exactly. Yeah. And I think it's just like, I'm sure you speak to your clients about this too, but just focusing on themselves. And I think it's like so important, like, which is why I love what you do. And like, like you said, with your background in your um, course and everything, and now how you work is is so good because you focus on the individual and actually what, yeah, you really focus on them and what makes them feel good rather than like, oh, here's a, here's a meal plan that I just gave to my other client 15 yep. minutes ago that I'm going to expect you to do yep. the same thing and not knowing much about you. Like I think mm-hmm. it's so important that we work with the individual and work with them where they're at because I feel like there's not there's not enough of that going on, I don't think. Mm. Just from what I've seen, I guess, I'm like,
2: yeah. And it's it's so individualized and everyone everyone has their own journey with food and, and their relationship to food. Um, so it's kind of like that, that's kind of what should well, I think what should play such a big role in in the the nutrition care process or the you know the treatment for that client so because it's just so dependent on you know their mental relationship towards food and movement and you know what they've experienced in the past and and that's something that i was talking to someone about the other day like it's just surprising you know going through uni we get like um you know, we go through like a performer of what you should typically ask clients like about, you know, biochem and social history and then dietary things like that. But there's actually no part... That we are prompted to ask about their relationship with food, or their history mm. with diets, or their overall feelings around food, which is so interesting to now look back on because it plays such a big role in into their treatment planning and things like that, and and how they respond to to treatments. So it is it's such a big thing that is so often missed and, and skipped over.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I know that like it's a it is definitely a big part. Um, well, I guess it should be a big part when you're working with like eating disorder recovery clients. Like I know a couple of clients of mine who we've had to, and you you work so differently, obviously, with each individual client and especially with eating disorder recovery clients. But there's just so much like that they have to work through themselves, like until they get to that point where they feel like they can trust food or they feel like they trust their body and things like that around food because like you said, like diet culture has been ingrained for like our whole lives for most of us. And it's sort of like, that's like the only way that we know sometimes. And it's like learning a whole new, like I always say to my clients, it's like, you're learning a new language right now. You're having to like unlearn all the diet culture stuff that you have learned and, and learn all the new stuff. And I think that, I think a lot of people don't realize that that takes a lot of time like yes
2: yeah (laughs) exactly because you're like you're learning yeah as you said a new language you're physically like rewiring your brain and kind and trying to go against everything that you thought has been right or what has been your normal for so long and and that's why you know eating disorder treatment and eating disorder recovery is such a big thing because you know you have lived this way for so long all your brains kind of gotten used to this normal way of thinking which is actually disordered and you have Mm to put in so much effort to rewire your brain and kind of go against everything that the eating disorder is saying and kind of fight back against it and and do the opposite as as to what you feel like you should be doing so yeah yeah yeah
1: Yeah. it's it's hard it's literally like a battle isn't it yeah yeah um and and how do you find like with your clients um in terms of like now like being a non-diet dietitian and like working with health at every size and all of that kind of thing like are you in the clinic where you work are you the only one who is that way minded or do you have other practitioners who are similar to you
2: yeah so um at the all the clinics that I work at I'm the only dietitian which initially it was a bit (laughs) nerve-wracking particularly being um a new grad as well But I think I've actually enjoyed it a lot more because it means that, I don't know, just I know that I'm more confident in my practice being non-diet dietitian and don't kind of have to, I don't know, some other dietitians may not, you know, practice in that way, which is fine, but it's kind of like knowing that I'm the only dietitian that my clients are seeing and and I'm able to kind of call the shots in the way that I want to practice. But I think a lot of that is quite difficult particularly if I'm getting referrals or things like that where doctors want their clients to lose weight and I think or have referred them for weight management and things like that. And that was kind of one of the biggest things that I thought I would struggle with um, initially and kind of thinking like, okay, well, if I want to, you know, practice in a non diet approach, but I'm getting referrals for weight management. How do I kind of navigate that? And then, so since, since then I've done, there's so many excellent like professional development on um, courses. So um, I've done Fiona Sutherland. So the mindful dietitian, she's got a few online, which are excellent. And I got um, Fiona Willer's um, non diet approach um, to, for dietitians guidebook, which has been great. And she kind of talks about um providing clients i forgot the term is um i think informed consent so you're kind of you kind of you know describing what the non-diet approach is and, and what kind of that weight um neutral approach is versus um a typical weight management lens that you know other dietitians may use or what the doctor kind of expects you to lose and uh, to use and things like that and it's kind of giving them both both ways both parts of the story and, and Telling them, you know, I mean, oftentimes it comes with like the research and the statistics about the non-diet approach um, and kind of giving them the ability to make consent, make in, informed decision about which path they want to go down. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, I mean, I think for every client that I've had so far, they, you know, have often been stuck in that you know dieting cycle and he, after hearing the non-diet approach they're thinking oh yes like this is what i want to do like i don't want to go on another strict meal plan i don't want to you know lose x amount of kilos really quickly just to know that i will put it back on plus more in the future so it does seem to resonate really well with them and i think um and i think that it's just excellent to see that they're Um, even though they might, it might take a bit more time for them to focus more on, you know, looking at factors or outcomes like change in biochemistry and like your sleep levels or your energy levels, as opposed to weight, because they've been kind of so used to focusing on that for a while, even though it might take them time to do that, they eventually get there and they eventually notice that you know, looking at these other outcomes is so much more rewarding than just the numbers on the scale. So yeah, it's and it's definitely rewarding for me because yeah I just kind of said, all right, we want to lose X amount of kilos by this time. Like I it would just sit so like wrong with me. So yeah. knowing that they're kind of understanding where I'm coming from as well and and are uh, actually looking forward to doing like another approach and and focusing on different outcomes is is so rewarding. So yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I love that. That makes me like so excited. I'm like, yes, because it is true. Like I think, you know, it's it's hard because if weight or, or food is all they've ever focused on,
0: mm-hmm.
1: they don't even think about like then you, yeah, like you said, you ask them questions about their sleep and about their lifestyle and about how their how their energies and all yeah. that stuff. And they're like, oh, like I don't really think about those kinds of things because yep. I think when you're focused on weight, it's, it consumes so much of like your thoughts and your energy and your day, you mm. just purely focused on that. And like, I'm sure that they're so happy when you say that, because they're like, great, I can focus on something else for a change. And I'm not yeah. going to have my whole life consumed by food and by the numbers on the scale.
2: Exactly, exactly. And mm-hmm. it makes it so much more achievable, particularly like, uh, I've had a few clients say like oh like I didn't get good sleep last night because I knew I knew I was having my first session with the dietitian. And I'm thinking like no way I want you to feel that way like don't worry we're not going to do anything scary like I'm not going to be like right you weigh x amount of kilos I want you to drop it to this like it's it's not about that like when when they see me so it's good to see like after follow-on sessions they're like oh I'm feeling so much more calm about it I have noticed that you know I actually am drinking more water I actually am you know adding a lot more food to my diet rather than Taking things out, which is what they had initially thought they would have had to do, so it's great.
1: Yeah, and it's amazing because, and I'm sure you would agree with me here. Like, you and I aren't saying that like having a goal of losing weight is a bad thing because I, I definitely don't think it is. And like, I'm sure you, you, you're the same as me. And like, definitely when I practice and when I'm talking to clients, like it's a judgment-free zone. Like I'm not judging. what what they're coming in for Mm -hmm. um and i think that there's nothing wrong with wanting to lose weight because again it's so kind of just normalizing our our culture and society but i think when you focus on other things like you said sleep and drinking more water and and you know maybe doing movement that they actually enjoy rather Mm. than just punishing themselves at the gym yes Weight is often a byproduct of that, or weight loss is often a byproduct mm. of that, or, or even if you gain weight. Like a lot of my clients will say, I'm scared to do intuitive eating because I don't want to gain weight, and I'm always like, Well, if you do, that's okay because maybe you were meant to, like exactly maybe your body wasn't at you know a safe or healthy weight mm. when you came in, and, and maybe you know within a few months or whatever things will change, but that's okay because notice on how you feel within yourself and how your body feels and how much energy you have rather than like what's going on in terms of like your weight and and what's on the scales
2: exactly and i think a lot of people that aren't fully across like the non-diet approach and 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 kind of focusing more on that weight centric point of view they kind of think like well you know what happens if they do need to lose weight and i'm thinking well if their all their biochemistry is within range if x like if they if everything else and all other you know outcomes are all you know within range and in a you know a healthy range you know not talking about weight then they don't need to like it's just mm-hmm. we're so used to kind of pinpointing it to these arbitrary measures of weight and bmi and things like that but it's just like who's to say that you know none of that matters and I think talking to the clients about focusing on the actual health promoting behaviors as opposed to numbers on the scale like I think you know breaking that down that's where they're kind of like ah okay I understand like oh yes like you know focusing more on eating more vegetables eating you know a bit more fiber but it's kind of all to the point where it's like realistic and it's achievable and not to like a detriment of, oh my God, I'm, you know, going to feel guilty for not eating, you know, the whole grain version and for having just like, say the white bread. And that's where it's like, okay, no, that's where we've crossed the line. So yeah. it's kind of like, it's still like looking at it, you know, these health promoting behaviors, but still not in a obsessive and restrictive or, or um, deprivation. So yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I love that so much. Thank you so much for sharing all of that.
2: No, that's okay. (laughs) Um,
1: And do you want to tell the listeners where to find you? Like I know we've mentioned your social and your Insta. Um, Yeah. Yeah, just tell the listeners where they can find you and your website so they can look at all your delicious recipes.
2: (laughs) Thank you. So you can find me uh, on Instagram at made by Mandy. So it's made by dot Mandy. And then um, my website is www.madebymandy.me. Um, but that's also in my Instagram bio. So you can click through from there. And yeah, and I've just got some i need to pop some more recipes on my blog now i haven't done a few for a while because i've been doing them for a few other brands but i'm going to do a few today in time for spring so yes hopefully by the time you visit i'll have some new ones on there
1: (laughs) yeah amazing and i'll pop all of those um like links and it links to your website and everything in your instagram in the show notes anyway so you can just click through from there um Um, yeah i'll definitely keep an eye on that don't worry my (laughs) my website i literally have like 3 recipes on there and I, like, oh, I really need
2: to like up my game with my cookie. I saw your biscuits on there. I think they were cookies. I'm like, they did look good.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, they're really <laughs> yummy. But I just, yeah, I've been kind of slack with recipes lately. I need to sort of get Get my creative juices juices flowing again. But in saying that, I'm like that recipes aren't really my thing. So I'm so happy to just like you know share people like you who actually like, are so good at it and who um, um, make it look beautiful and like share your recipes instead of um, yeah trying to like do something that I don't really. I and not that <laughs> I don't enjoy it, but I'm just not like probably that passionate about it. So yeah, I know what you mean yeah. You know, <laughs> but um no, I'll pop all of that in the show notes for everyone anyway, and um. Yeah, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. It's been so awesome.
2: Oh, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. And it was so great to finally chat Yeah, <laughs> Not through absolutely. Instagram, but we can actually see each other. Yeah, yeah, no, I've
1: loved it. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. <laughs>